genre. And welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring for 200 whole minutes at a time. Well, not at a time, but one minute at a time. I'm you Cassandra Fredersen. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again this week, we have Andrew and Kester Dorowski from Disney Animation Minute Essentials. 200 podcast. minutes. You did it. You're Has so any other close. movies by minutes podcast done 200 minutes in a movie? Um, not in a single movie. I don't so, know how long The Godfather is, so so they maybe might have they, a speech, they might get, so. they'll probably beat you when they get to it. But yeah, right now um, you've got the title. I'm really curious <laughs> what the runtime for The Godfather is. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in a it's really long. long time. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about minute two hundred. Two hundred, which starts with uh, Gimli kind of grabbing Aragorn's arm in you know solidarity, um, and ends with. Uh, Sam and Frodo staring out at Mordor, and Sam saying, "We may yet, Mister Frodo. We may." Tears. Mm-hmm. Sam is the ever hopeful Hobbit, and I feel like he's not just saying it; like he he really does believe that. Mm-hmm. He believes that there's something after the ring is destroyed, and this is just like an episode in his life. Yeah, and like this this was the moment I was talking about. Um, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday when we were talking about how Sam. Um, is is optimism and Frodo is uh, more pessimism. Like Frodo, Frodo fully expects to die. Like the way he says, "We're never going to see them again." Yeah, the way he just says it so casually, it's like, "Well, you know, we'll never see them again." It's like it's like they just got in a car and they shut the doors, and Frodo just is just like, "We're never going to see our friends again." (laughs) Just as they're about to pull away. Yeah, Frodo like never talks about things like there's anything after the ring. Mm-hmm. And he and he doesn't really talk about things as though he had anything before the ring, like his his life before and his life after. Like, there's not much. Like Sam, he's he's got some friends. He goes out drinking, but mm-hmm. Sam, like you get this sense of worry when he's in Hobbiton that Frodo doesn't have. Where Sam's like, I have to live a life. Like I have to make something of myself. I have to like, uh, woo Rosie. Mm-hmm. I have to, you know try and do things and frodo doesn't have any worries he's not trying to impress anyone he's not trying to do anything yeah um and so once the ring's done he would just go back to that and he's like well there's not really like i might as well just die at mount doom well i feel like his life before the ring um was largely like surrounding bilbo and now that bilbo has you know pulled his disappearing act and he's gone to live with the elves i feel like frodo feels like he doesn't have much of a purpose after the ring. Right, like he doesn't he doesn't know how to identify himself without the context of Bilbo. Right. And he, the ring because yeah. they're they're all three of them are are tied up together. Yeah. Um going back to the the optimism of of Sam to Frodo's pessimistic attitude and on on not looking into the future and and, and thinking that this really is is the end and we're never going to see anyone again. Mm-hmm. Uh it's this whole this whole week was something that was giving at least me strength and courage and 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 definitely for the characters as well you just can tell that there is strength 
and there is courage and there is light at the end of the tunnel and you just need to keep going. And most of it was because of Sam's dedication and friendship towards Frodo. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you mentioned either on Monday or Tuesday about the optimism and pessimism, uh, I kind of saw... I, I like it. It made me think harder about how Frodo, especially at this moment, as uh, he's as he's looking down, he's he really seems to have a kind of depression about him. Mm-hmm. And um, me personally, I've had to deal with anxiety and depression um, a lot, and it's mm-hmm. it's been something hard to deal with and and go through in life. But there's always been some kind of light and a lot of that light has been Andrew oh. <laughs> um, as uh, as a really true uh, friend and husband and um, and there's always someone there to help uh, or or something there to help you to help anyone mm-hmm. out of that dark and and deep depressing uh, my um, mindset mm-hmm. and there is always something out there. You just need to kind of stretch your mind farther and look past what is what the de- depre- depressing moments are at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention the look on Frodo's face at the very end of this minute. It kind of bleeds into um, the, the beginning of the next minute. A yeah, bit. but I mean, you can talk about yeah. it. It's fine. <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot after the end of this minute. Well, what are we going to talk about Monday? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I wanted to talk about it because it's very much uh, in line with this pessimism versus optimism thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the facial expression that Elijah Wood has in that moment that, that he that he gives the, the camera. To me, isn't that he believes what Sam is saying. It's that he wants to believe what Sam is saying. Yeah, he, like, he there's a really big difference in those yeah. two emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, it can be hard to to truly believe it um but to want to believe it is kind of the first step yeah in believing like it and, and seeing it yeah, yeah it's half the battle um i think there's a there's just a subtle difference there and i wanted to like just mention mm-hmm. it yeah i and i think you see that at the end of the next movie too um maybe even more like like frodo believes even more at the, at the end of the next movie that things might be okay but that's that's what two hundred some odd minutes away? That is, that is many many minutes. From uh, now. So I don't <laughs> probably closer to four hundred than it is to two hundred. Take that uh, from you. Um, I don't know. So what you were just describing, uh, Norman, reminded me. It's it's going to be a weird and obscure reference, and so I hope everyone just bears with me. But it reminded me of the beginning of the Roroni Kenshin series, the oh manga and anime. <laughs> I love Roroni Kenshin. I, I, you just so had good. to bring so that good, manga, but, didn't you? I, like, when you were talking about um, Frodo wanting to believe it, I was like, that's making me think of something. You're talking about like, the end of? of the first episode of Roroni Yeah, Kenshin. basically, because... When he uh, talks about how a sword is not is a, a tool it's, for it's a, people, it yeah, is a it's, weapon. It's, it's a weapon for killing, but given the option of facing like the reality that I carry a, a weapon to kill people with, and the ideal that... Um, that his his friend Kaoru um, is espousing that you can do something with it that is good and life bringing and um, positive by saving people. I would much rather 
um, fight on behalf of that naive, idealistic viewpoint than um, than live my life in that dark reality where it yeah. where it's a weapon that kills. And so, just like you saying that, like reminded me of that speech which I had heard a number of times and read a number of times. I was like, why is this sounding so familiar? And it's him. <laughs> it, it's his choice to want to believe in something that he doesn't necessarily actually believe in. I love Aroni Kenshin. <laughs> when when Norman was on the protagonist podcast, we talked about geeky anime and manga stuff. So we well, have this we well, have this uh we have this connection. It was also while he was on Dame too, I'm pretty sure. It's, yeah. Um so <laughs> but yeah, saying. that's what um it reminded me of was this per you know, a, a character who is like, I know what they're saying, I don't actually believe, mm-hmm. but I would much rather act as though i believed that um it's 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 a better thing than i actually believe and so i will choose to to act that way and i think that's what frodo's kind of trying to do is like i'm I'm not sure if i believe sam but i want to and i know that it's going to produce a better result if i act in accordance with the belief that sam has just described well it's it's kind of like um like fake it till you make it right yeah like if as long as like if you want to believe something hard enough soon it becomes just a thing that you believe yeah for good or ill yeah <laughs> um i wanted to talk because it's it's uh for kester and me it's the last time we get to talk about sam um and i don't think i've heard you guys talk about the the theories about sam being the the main hero or chief hero of of the story i don't think so i think we i don't think you've brought it up i think we did a little bit when we were talking about um the cornfield Mm -hmm. yeah um because we talked about the cornfield structure of it's his it's his threshold and frodo doesn't have one quite so much except you talked about crossing the the lake being one Mm -hmm. um but that's like at the end of the movie (laughs) yeah well but but in the scope of the story it's about right Mm um and so I just like I've always loved this theory ever since I heard about it that it's like oh yeah Sam's like the one it's about or like the the heroic character yeah Um, well I definitely feel like Sam is the one that grows the most which like by like by definition I guess is your main character of the story Sam also fits in some ways a little more stereotypes of like the hero's journey than frodo does Mm -hmm. because he's able to return right he also comes from like literal nothing whereas frodo came from something then it was taken away and then he was given a really nice life by bilbo Mm -hmm. sam is a lower class guy with really nothing going on for him in his life he's a gardener he's a gardener like he's i don't think but he's like he's more of a nobody than frodo because frodo is like a kind of like a noble class i think frodo really embodies the hero's journey from like a like a like a want like a want to to go out and do this because he starts the movie you know wishing he could be like bilbo going on all these grand adventures and stuff whether or not he really truly deeply wanted and then weathertop happens and he's like i just want to go home yeah it's like oh no forget this this is terrible (laughs) but i think that sam Sam is more of a reluctant hero. Like, Sam does not want any part of this. He literally gets roped into it by Gandalf. Yeah. and Like, he wouldn't be part of it if he hadn't been uh, uh, gardening 
that if he hadn't been if he hadn't been <laughs> dropping eaves. Yeah, dropping dropping some eaves. And I like in that sense, I feel like Sam is the main character of this story. But well, and I don't know. I think they kind of they they kind of tag team it. Like they share the load. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're one they're one unit. Like there's there is no Sam without Frodo. There is no Frodo without Sam. And yeah. I think I think that it takes each one. Each one is on his own little timeline. But there's also like, together they are the main characters of the story. There's also no resolution to this problem without Gollum. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. Um. I I, and I haven't read the the books in a long time but I would love to read them and like read them with my focus on Sam as the, the person to follow. Um, the movies definitely seem to like target Frodo at least through this one. Um, and maybe towards the end of the third one, you get a little more of, of Sam being heroic. Um, so it's harder to view them at, with Sam at the center. Um, well, but, the third movie is bookended by Sam's heroism. Yeah. Yeah, so you do that, get a lot um, of Sam in the third movie. I think it depends on which cut of the movie um, you're also watching. Because um, with the extended, um, the first, like, the first Hobbit that we really focus on is Sam. Like, at the 10 minute mark, I know that for a fact now because we talked about it. At the 10 minute mark, it's Sam with his flower. And it's the only zoom in close up on a hobbit right. in that way that focuses. Um but in the theatrical the first hobbit that we focus on is Frodo. So I think the theatrical cut of the movie definitely underscores the fact that this is Frodo's story we're following Frodo and the ring and Sam's just along for the ride. But I feel like in the extended there's a little bit more of Sam's presence. There's a little more ambiguity. Yeah. So I think that it yeah. depends on which which version of the movie. Yeah, because we've about. we've talked about it like interwoven with uh, our talk of like legacies with Aragorn and Frodo mm -hmm. and how they're kind of mirrors for each other. Yeah, but also in the theatrical cut because we get less of those character moments with Aragorn, the theatrical cut focuses more on Frodo. On Frodo still. Yeah. Whereas the extended is really as much about Aragorn as it is about Frodo in mm -hmm. a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Well, and so in in like my not very in depth, but uh, you know. Uh, entertaining research into like Sam as the main character. I've read things online and apparently there's a letter that Tolkien wrote that people use a lot to like defend the Sam um, as, as chief hero kind of uh, point of view, mm -hmm. but it also talks about Aragorn a lot in the same paragraph. And so uh. there's like some debate. Um, so I'm going to read uh, if it's okay. I'll just read that paragraph from. Oh yeah, sure. From That's fine. Tolkien's letter he says since we now try to deal with the ordinary life springing up ever unquenched under the trample of world policies and events there are love stories touched in or love in different modes wholly absent from the hobbit but the highest love story that of aragorn and arwen elrond's daughter is only alluded to as a known thing it is told elsewhere in short in a short tale of aragorn and arwen undomiel i don't know how to say that oh, um Undomiel? Undomiel, yeah. Okay. I think that the simple rustic love of Sam and his Rosie, nowhere elaborated, is absolutely essential to the study of his, the chief hero's character. 
and to the theme of the relation of ordinary life, breathing, eating, working, begetting, and quests, sacrifice, causes, and the longing for elves, and sheer beauty. But I will say no more nor defend the theme of mistaken love seen in Eowyn and her first love for Aragorn. I do not feel much can now be done to heal the faults of this large and much-embracing tale, or to make publishable if it is not so now. Um, And then apparently some people have like taken that and they're like, is it when he says um, his, the chief heroes, is he talking about Aragorn or is he talking about Sam as like a thing you can compare Aragorn to? And so some people have written to um, Christopher Tolkien and asked like, what did he mean when he said the chief hero in this passage? Um, And he said uh, (laughs) very succinctly that he was certain that, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien meant Sam as the chief hero. Yeah, because con- contextually, um, it sounds like because he he talks about Sam and then he and then says his yeah so side. yeah so grammatically it's it's definitely Sam and then contextually like some people say it's like maybe he's saying Aragorn but mm-hmm. most people seem to agree that this letter is is saying Sam is the chief hero um, yeah. at least in some way. Yeah. And, and and that's corroborated by by Christopher. I've always I've always agreed with that reading of the story for the most part. Although when I was at times I've tussled with the idea that in the end Gollum is kind of the hero of this story. I think Gollum is Cuz he has the he has the furthest fall and in the end he's the reason the ring is destroyed. I think Gollum But it does come from selfishness. Gollum is the Boromir of the trilogy. In that he is like the tragic um, anti-hero figure, almost. Yeah. That kind of spans all three, um, whereas Boromir only is in the Fellowship. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I've always viewed Sam as like more of a hero than Frodo. I think that... Because um, Sam is the active one, especially least, in the second half. At least in in this movie, at least in this movie, I think the main characters of the story are Frodo and Aragorn. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see if our reading of the next two movies kind of holds with that or if it shifts more to Sam. Yeah. Because as, as Frodo loses more and more agency to the ring, Sam becomes the active force that, right. You know, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, Because Sam's, (laughs) Sam's the last ring bearer. So, yeah. And he, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> i i mean i'm excited to hear you guys talk about the rest of the films and i look forward to hearing more about this kind of well thank you discussion. i know it, i'm so excited to talk about sam and shalob shalob can um, i can i talk about my favorite line in maybe this whole movie yeah which is let's hunt some orc, let's hunt some orc. <laughs> so okay um I know that I have, like, I've talked about how, like, I have, like, the biggest crush on Orlando Bloom as Legolas, but this, like, watching this as a teenage girl was, like, the sexiest thing. Like, just everything about, when he like... shoves that knife in the holster yeah, and turns the delivery, around. Just, like, he's like, let's hunt some orc, and then he, like, runs off into the woods. I'm just like, oh, this wound. So... <laughs> <laughs> But like, I, I love that it's uh, <laughs> it, it's leave everything that can be spared behind. We travel light as he straps on more weaponry. <laughs> right. it's like he's like, but but not so light that I can't bring, carry bring this knife. Only the essentials, <laughs> including the this knife. I need like these five knives. 
<laughs> and it, it's it's like setting up the sequence in the next movie where they have to like uh disarm for for the king mm-hmm. it's I like love we that travel trip. light all we carry yeah. is weapons <laughs> I love that trope so much. Uh, I love Gimli's laugh. Mm-hmm. Gimli's like Gimli's exclamation of joy, and then the laugh as he runs away is so good. And he gives he gives Legolas that sidelong look. He's just like, "Did you just hear that?" Yeah, it's like Ha-ha! for real. Let's go. <laughs> he is so ready to chop some orcs. Well, in the he's bits. been really bloodthirsty since Moria. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. because his cousin's dead. Because orcs killed all those dwarves. Yeah. He's gonna kill all these orcs. <laughs> And now he's got, like, an extra good reason because he might be able to save someone. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just so revenge, it's a rescue. That's the thing that I wanted to mention that I remembered, and then I wasn't sure if I was going to remember it, but I did. <laughs> uh, so at the last minute, Legolas is, like, getting ready to push the boat out into the water, and he's just like, are we not going to follow them? Mm-hmm. And then Aragorn's just like, come on, guys, let's talk about this for a second. We need to go save Merry and Pippin. Yeah. And my only thought is, did Legolas think- and Gimli forget about Mary and Pippin? <laughs> like, especially I, I, I Legolas, say, who has a is really... Legolas, like, feeling guilty about this? Like, oh. Because Legolas has a very poor understanding of death. Mm-hmm. Does he, like... Does he not understand torture? Yeah. What is he? He says death and torment? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he has a very poor understanding of death. So... Is his tug is his struggles with death throughout this movie like when Mary and Pippin are just dragged away? Is he just like, well, they're they're lost now, like Boromir and Gandalf, right? He doesn't have like, object permanence. Well, his first <laughs> thought like is a like big puppy. His first thought is <laughs> like, like well, gone. are they lost now? Like Gandalf was lost. Like Boromir is lost. Like they're lost to us. We have to finish the mission <laughs> because he has this poor understanding of how this works. <laughs> I like and Gimli. It that way. And Gimli is just like here and he just wants to go fight orcs on either side of the river he doesn't yeah. care yeah like, but like legolas is just like oh, we're gonna follow frodo did they but i don't think they saw mary and pippin be taken but the first uh, thing Bormier said Bormier they, they the took the little ones is they took the little ones but legolas and Gimli and, are not there yet yeah legolas didn't walk into that and and look perplexed until later right yeah um and he can see the legs of frodo and sam stepping away from from the boat so like, he's like i like, can see that thing i know where that thing is <laughs> like he sees frodo and sam he probably watched only the two of them get out of that right. boat i don't think they know that mary and pippin have been kidnapped where where do they think they are and this is how this is how aragorn <laughs> well maybe they thought that mary and pippin crossed on the boat too i mean and legolas definitely watched frodo and sam get out of that boat yeah okay and he only said Frodo and Sam made it to the other yeah. shore. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think as far as the timeline goes, they didn't see... Or I think Legolas hear... could have heard Boromir with his elven ears. <laughs> yeah. Probably. He can see, like, 15 miles. I think he was being, like, too... Like, the the idea of, of mortality was just so distracting to him that he was just like, oh, yeah, there were two more of us. <laughs> yes. He's just... So, Mary and Pippin. Oh. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Mary and Pippin, not, not dead. Who I have the not two forgotten at all. Two characters I have never uttered a word to in this story, right. other than Lembus bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only moment Mary and Pippin and Legolas share. He should he should remember about that. He's like, I don't know if they've had this stuff. I gotta make sure they eat some Lembus bread. <laughs> How many did you have? Four fart joke. <laughs> 
Uh. Um, that was the thing that I remembered. I was just like, did they forget about Mary and Pippin? Did they? Is Legolas just like, but Frodo and Sam? Maybe he's just like really dedicated to the mission, almost in a naive way, and that's why he wasn't going to be included in the dream team. <laughs> it's like no, he doesn't get it. <laughs> we just just protect these two and just just go about your business. Oh, I had um, I, this is completely unrelated, but I had one more note about. Um, we were talking about uh, Sam and Frodo's cloaks earlier and how they Whoa. looked really heavy. Yeah. Um, but in that I have shot, questions about their cloaks. Okay. In that shot, when they are overlooking Mordor, you can kind of see like the hems of their cloaks and they look translucent. Right. That's supposed to give us like the elven quality, yeah. probably. But I'm like, that's some really, really finely woven wool. Yeah. But it looks really scratchy and stuff. Part of it might be the lighting. That's true. Elder I mean, they have a gray background, so when you're looking at a gray cloak with a gray black background, maybe it just looks translucent, but it's really just gray. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like you can see like the light shining from the sunset behind them. But I mean, uh -huh. you can weave wool very, uh, like, very full of air. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's possible that they're kind of see-through because I'm sure they made them as light as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I have a question. A year. On these cloaks. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Frodo and Sam, like standing together, they have their cloaks on and then they have their backpacks over their cloaks, which is a consistent thing for them, mm -hmm. I think, throughout the films. But you can see that, like, the cloak's not, like, tucked all the way back between the straps. So <laughs> the strap on Sam's shoulder is going over the cloak. But I'm, like, thinking, so it's like, so is it just, like, kind of sticking like out a little? Yeah, yeah, is it just bunched a little bit? Or does he have it like bunched up so that it's hanging down on the sides on the edges? Or does it have like a slit so that it's good for backpacking? That's so funny. I've never noticed that before. And I haven't always bothered me. Like I want to know. Yeah. I want to know how their backpacks are are navigating their cloaks. Because yeah. and let me tell you why it's extra frustrating. Because <laughs> in college there was a guy on my campus who wore a cloak, but he would wear it over his backpack. Right, because that makes sense. Because that's how you would like your strap backpack. it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and and one, I always thought it was kind of weird that there was a guy walking around campus wearing a cloak, um, <laughs> at all. Um, but then I I, I, I also know. found out cloaks back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also found out that he was involved in the um, in like the local fantasy sci-fi literature symposium, mm. and he plays the guitar and plays really good filk music. Which, if you don't know, is uh, folk music from conventions and, and symposiums <laughs> for geeky people. Filk? <laughs> yes. F-I-L-K. Um, huh. so, okay, quick story about filk music. There was like, uh, like a academic... It does feel weird to say, and it feels like bad to say. Because um, it sounds like filk and another bad word. Like filth <laughs> and another bad word yeah. mixed together. I'm like, I don't want to say that. Um... But um, so apparently there was like a, a academic conference or a symposium or something. And it was a bunch of like fantasy and sci-fi writers and, and fans and everything. And there was going to be a session where some people were going to sing folk music and they misspelled it in like the program. Mm -hmm. And then they, they're like, oh, well, it's wrong in the program. We better spell it wrong on the door or something like that. And so it became <laughs> filk music. That's so. Funny. Yes, because that's what you do. You just double down on your mistake. <laughs> and then. 
so now it's like this little and you you can barely find any of it online but i did get from them when i went to the symposium a flash drive full of like their their guitar uh chord notes and the the lyrics mm-hmm. and it's it's a bunch of um like like basic folk guitar tunes with lyrics that are all about like geeky sci-fi fantasy stuff <laughs> um and there's like there's one that's like it's it's and there's a lot of like D and D stuff in there. I would like called, these things. <laughs> yes, I, I, I maybe I'll send you um what I've got of it, but it, one of them's called "You Bash the Balrog and I'll Climb the Tree," <laughs> and it's about like a, a cleric and a dwarf and an elf, and they go on this adventure, and the dwarf has a sword plus three, but then later he gets turned into a wolf, and he has a bite plus three, <laughs> and and it's just like this really like geeky. Like nerdy, like stuff that these people have collaborated on and built like this music and these lyrics to. Um, and so the guy that wore the cloak on campus, I learned, did that. And he like he played the guitar great for it for the filk session I attended. Um, and, and like I was like opened up to this like whole separate subculture. I'm like, <laughs> this isn't even like on the Internet. That's how that's not, like that's how dank this group is that like they're just sharing these flash drives full of music and it's like if you search for it online you'll get like a kind of obtuse wikipedia article and almost no youtube videos of these songs i'm like what's going on here so but it was like it was a thing it was a real thing i tell you but um but anyway long way around to say like where why can't i find my flash drive Um, like he wore the cloak over the backpack and Sam and Frodo always have their cloaks under their backpack. I'm like, but like, is it, yeah. Is it bunched or tucked or where are the straps going? <laughs> Cause both ways that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see like, any way it's convenient. And so I'm like, why don't they have it like tucked all the way? But they always have it like onto their shoulder some, and then the strap. Yeah. It even Frodo does it. Mm-hmm. And it it is, it's so inconvenient. How do you take, if the backpack's not over the cloak like that, how do you take your backpack off? Or easily? how do you like take advantage of the cloak being protective from the elements? And I mean, I think um I think Aragorn's wearing his bow and arrow strapped over his cloak. Yeah, he is, because you can mm-hmm. see it. And, and Legolas. So, is Legolas. Too. so like <laughs> But like how are they taking advantage of the cloaks when they need them? Like they're supposed to be camouflage. Are they more like ponchos? No. Like elven ponchos? No, they're cloaks. <laughs> I, but it makes The no finest sense. elven serape from... <laughs> <laughs> from Lothlorien. <laughs> you just throw it over one side when you need to access your weapons. That sounds like an item in Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> the finest elven serape. Hmm. <laughs> Um, oh but like I, like I don't think they can use these cloaks effectively the way they have them equipped you know and I talked about this <laughs> I talked about this a, a, two weeks ago three weeks ago whenever it was that we see Merry and Pippin talking to Frodo and he's hiding behind that tree and I'm just like wow this is such a good moment to show that the elven cloaks are camouflaged right. and they and don't do it he's not wearing a backpack right then he couldn't and, do it Instead of establishing that these things provide nice camouflage when needed in the first movie, 20 minutes after they get them, they don't do it until the second movie. <laughs> and they and only I've, do it once when I've they turn into rock like, mode. Right. And I've always just been like, why, Peter Jackson? 
<laughs> why? Well, this, and then, why doesn't then, Frodo just... Oh my it's God. there. You the set tree. it up in this movie, and then you don't use it in this movie when there is the perfect opportunity to use it in this movie. <laughs> and then in the books, um, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli do it when they're in Rohan. Oh my goodness. And then they don't do it in the movie. And I was disappointed when I read that in the book. I was like, oh, that's so cool. They use the camo cloaks. Yeah. That's so funny. And they never use them in the movies. One it's time. One time <laughs> into rock mode. <laughs> Man, <sighs> which is uh, admittedly that's a really convincing rock when he when right? he uses yeah. the cloak as a rock. Like I can't believe it gets me we, every time. I can't believe we got two hundred minutes into the movie and we have never noticed the thing with the cloaks <laughs> around their around <laughs> their backpacks. Well, they really had the cloaks for like half an hour. Yeah, that's true. Well, they've had they've they've had the cloaks for like fifty minutes. <sighs> oh, that's, longer than that's I thought. Hysterical. Um, but yeah, I, I like please watch out for that in the next movies, and if you spot them, like. <laughs> Like, with the edges dangling through the straps, and that means it's tucked up, like, at the base of their spine. Oh my gosh. And not tucked up the whole way? Yeah. Yeah. That's just weird. It's like, it's like in um, comic books when someone talks about, it's like, Superman looks fine when he's dressed as Clark Kent, but he's got a cape tucked up his back. (laughs) Like, it doesn't hang down to his feet when it's tucked into his suit pants. (laughs) So does that mean he looks like he's got a lumpy butt? Clark Kent's got a lumpy butt. That's, <laughs> you heard it here That's first. why people Superman because he doesn't—he looks flabby from behind. He's frumpy. He's like he yeah. looks kind of like Superman, but look at that caboose. No, just like he's got these rolls. <laughs> it looks weird. What's All in right. there? Oh my god! So let <laughs> I me mean, double click that I've read everything. <laughs> We are talking about Superman's roles. Um. Wait, wait, wait. I have one last thing to say about Lord of the Rings before you go. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you guys, like, what was your... Um, oh, really our quickly, history? What, oh. Yeah, what was your history? Yeah, but, and but, if you, I'll save it. It's part of that. Okay. Um, if you come back for any moment in... Moment. 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 <laughs> if, if you come back for any minute um, or moment in... Either Two Towers or Return of the King. Um, what would be your your pick? I I've been thinking about it, so I, I no <laughs> um, would definitely like uh, something with Faramir, especially mm. Faramir meeting Samwise. And he's like, "What are you, his bodyguard?" It's like, "No, I'm his gardener." And he just like spits it at Faramir. It's like, "I'm his gardener." <laughs> okay, deal with it. Um, I think that would be it. it like, I think Faramir's great. He's probably like he's like the best man in these in these books and movies isn't he he's like the perfect guy mm-hmm. um but yeah I, i'd take something with faramir nice i have no idea it's been a long time since i've watched all three um movies <laughs> that's fair and, i mean it, they're all good like and I, I don't think there's a lot of bad minutes and and it's been a long time since i've seen the first movie all the way through because i was sick this weekend when we were watching it and fell asleep. But we have the discs Aww. on hand, so, so we can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little uh, uh, tricky in that area for me. <laughs> um, but what about, um, like, what are your guys's like background with um, either the movies or the books, or just in general? I saw the movies before I read the books, um, mm-hmm. for sure, and I think I saw all three movies before I read any of the books, including The Hobbit. Um, cause when they came out, it was the early two thousands, right? So 
Yeah, 2001 was, was when this one came out. Yeah, so I would have been like 10, 11 years old. And um, I think I read the books. Um, oh, now I'm starting to wonder. I may have started reading them before the last movie came out. Um, but I don't remember the books very well because I only read them the one time. I've watched the movies several times. And there was even a while in my family. So for a long time, we had a tradition of for New Year's Eve, we would watch the three Star Wars movies. And then we tried to watch the six Star Wars movies. But we really just watched the the three original towards the end of the <laughs> night on New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. And then there was a while when my dad kind of tried to push uh, Lord of the Rings as like a Thanksgiving tradition. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, after the the Thanksgiving Day Parade's done, we'll just put on Lord of the Rings and let that run for the rest of the day. But we usually like passed out or were too tired and we didn't change the discs out after partway through the second one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that tradition never really held up. Um, But yeah, at some point I read the books and I don't remember them very well, but... Uh, we also would play the, the, my dad played the CDs, the music from uh, Mm -hmm. all three movies a lot. So I heard the music a lot, which was fine because we liked Enya anyway. Um, (laughs) but then there's like the, there's like the weird, there's like a weird kind of screechy song at the end of Mm -hmm. one of them. And we skipped that song, but, (laughs) but like we listened to a lot of CDs of, of a lot of Lord of the Rings for a lot of weekends. Um, it was just in the background. Um, around the house and i'd say that's the thing i probably have experienced the most is the music um just over and over again and and falling asleep and taking naps on the weekends (laughs) listening to that music nice what about you kestra for for me i've tried reading the books but i've never like committed (laughs) to it Mm -hmm. um i would always find like something else to that would grab my attention to read really um and with but with the films that came out in 2001 i would have been what seven years old um and so i didn't see it in theater <laughs> that gives away my age um i didn't see it in theaters um i don't think i saw any of them in theaters i think my dad or mom someone put it on the 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 screen the tv while for like some family movie night or something and i was really tired and fell asleep by the time that frodo picked up the ring (laughs) (laughs) off the ground um that was like the last thing i remembered um and i don't know how long after that probably close to a decade after that i finally saw the films for the first time for real for real and i've only seen them like twice don't worry <laughs> Maybe three we'll, times. we'll fix it i don't know <laughs> so i know a lot about them just have not experienced them very yeah. well. so my one other thing i had as like my background with the lord of the rings was my roommate when i met kestra his name was rusden and he was like a deep dive Lord of the Rings guy. Mm-hmm. And he told me, and he actually like showed me the post. Um, somebody had posted like onto his wall since he was a Lord of the Rings fan, a picture of um, like a Lord of the Rings map t-shirt. And um, he like went off on it. He's like, no, that's wrong. Like <laughs> those mountains aren't there unless this is the second age. And it's not because this kingdom didn't even exist until the third age. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and so he's just like, 
he like did like this huge comment on this post that somebody did i think possibly to troll him (laughs) and and so like one sunday afternoon i was cooking i was like hey rosden tell me about like the like the deep mythology for lord of the rings he's like oh you mean like like the creation myth like sure (laughs) and so he's like okay (laughs) and he told me about it for like an hour that's awesome (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, and so listening to you guys sometimes reminds me of of the room I, I had when Kesper and I met, <laughs> because Norman will go off on on the creation uh, <laughs> mythology, and it's just like, oh, it's kind of comforting. Well, it's kind of it's kind of cool because um, I'm reading through the Silmarillion all the way through because um, we're doing that for the um, for our weekend edition um, every so often. Yeah, we're breaking it down. And a bit I haven't at a time. read through the entire thing, so it's really fascinating, like kind of looking at the creation myth and then tying it back to like something that we're talking about with Lord of the Rings. And it's like, I don't know, it's like it's like taking a college course all over right. again, minus the because the, the, uh, <laughs> the thing about the Silmarillion and all those myths that are like the history is he wrote all that down first, mm-hmm. and then he wrote. A cohesive story instead of a collection of myths yeah <laughs> so it's cool tying that into the narrative and really seeing where it all began so he built this incredibly fleshed out world well he made and, up a language and he's yeah. like well i guess i should you know make up a world for this. how did this and... language come to be <laughs> yeah. and then he built a world and he said well what story can i tell in this world mm-hmm. and then he told a story was so he started with elvish was that the language yeah yes one of the one of the okay. forms of elvish that became many he, forms of Elvish. And was he, like, was his goal with that? Because I know Tolkien was a linguist and everything, but was he just having fun or was he trying to, like, create kind of a structure for a superior language? Was, like, was this his Esperanto? Uh, as far as I am aware, I could be wrong. Uh, Tolkien just made up languages for fun in his spare time. What a nerd. <laughs> so he, he was just saying, like, here's... Here's the thing. Like, let me try and structure a language like this. And then his his love of language and creating languages just kind of ran into a little bit later on uh, in his like adolescence and young adulthood, his want for there to be a complete myth, like a real mythology for Britain and the UK in a way that kind of didn't exist outside of kind of uh, like sporadic things. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. he wanted one cohesive thing. And those two things kind of met, and that's how we got this history of Middle-earth that became the Silmarillion, that became the Lord of the Rings, that became all this other stuff that he wrote. All right. Yeah. So this is running very long, Um, but thank you guys. No, no worries. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for joining us um, for our last full week of Fellowship of the Ring, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, we'll be back on Monday with, um, the last little bit of the movie, uh, which has like one of the iconic lines that we haven't gotten yet. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, uh, check out, uh, Disney animation minute essentials podcast with these guys. They're on hiatus, but they'll be tackling little mermaid next, which I'm super pumped about. Yeah. Me We're too. excited. Um, I love the little mermaid. We'll have you guys on. Yeah. We had fun with uh, with Snow White, so we're looking forward to... I think there are a few Disney songs I've li- listened to as much as Under the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are from the website DuelingGenre.com. 
Um, and in the meantime, if you are looking for other Movies by Minutes podcasts, please check out moviesbyminutes.com for all of your Movies by Minute podcasting needs. Uh, special thanks to Patreon associate producers Leaper182 and Ed Foster. I hope everyone has a great Friday, and we'll be back next week for the rest of this movie and the beginning of the credits. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.